I started realizing like all of these different assets out here are just different vehicles to help me get to that destination that I thought it was going to take me five years to get to. It took me 18 months. If I could combine these different vehicles together as someone who was an accredited investor, then why would I need to wait five years when I could do it in a much lesser time frame? Are you ready to transform your life? This is a no-nonsense show helping immigrants like you create generational wealth, even while working full-time. Get ready to take notes. Here's your host, Socket Jane. Welcome back, my Grid to Wealth listeners. Today, we're talking to Billy Keels. Billy, how are you? Socket, doing just great, man. Really enjoyed the uh, pre-conversation and looking forward to trying to add a little bit of value if I can. Well, I'm pretty sure you're going to have massive value, man. I'm pretty sure. But Billy, you're not in the U.S. right now, are you? I am not. No, but my Where accent is from? from the U.S. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And mine is reverse. My accent is not from the U.S. <laughs> are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? <laughs> so where are you calling us from, man? I'm dialing in today from Barcelona, España, Barcelona, Spain. So I've been uh, living in Europe for the last 21 years. I was in, actually 22 years now, so time flies. Mm -hmm. I was in, I started in France, lived in two different cities there, and then also lived in Italy where I led a, an enterprise awesome. software sa or hardware sales team, but recently just stopped working in the corporate world on enterprise software. But yeah, I spent the last 22 years across three different countries and four different cities over here in Europe. Oh, that's awesome, man. So you, you are a global citizen. That's awesome. Good to hear that. Yeah, I've been very, pretty fortunate. I've been a, had a chance to work and travel throughout some 86 different countries. So life has been very, very good to me. Learned a lot, seen a lot, been challenged by a lot of different things. And I'm sure we'll talk more about that as yeah. we go into it. So let's dig into it. So what has been your migration story that got you into doing what you're doing? If you can help us understand that. Yeah. So I know most people it's migrating to the US and this is me migrating away. And at the end of the day, it's based on the things that I learned growing up and I watched my parents work two jobs, work really, really hard, sometimes three jobs. Actually, one of my parents worked to make ends meet. And so I watched them employ the work harder, not smarter strategy. And I realized that I didn't want to do that. And they put a big focus on education, like, hey, listen, you all need to get your college degrees. Don't be like us. And so that's what I did. I got the college degree. I was the really A student and I did what I was supposed to do for a really long time and worked to climb the corporate ladder faced some rejection in my life as well because I got rejected for my dream job, not once, but twice socket when I graduated from college. And I realized that sometimes through rejection, you can also find a new life because although I was completely dejected at the time that I got shut down twice from Procter and Gamble was the company that I really wanted to work for. I realized that there was a company that was hiring people that gave them an opportunity to travel around the world. And so through that rejection event, I was then hired at a company that had like 6,000 resumes going out. And I was one of 26 people that was hired. Yeah. But the thing is, Socket, in five years, I had the opportunity to work and travel throughout 58 different countries. And so through that rejection, actually something amazing spawned from there because then it opened my eyes to really what the world was. I'm a kid from Columbus, Ohio, very Midwest and watching my parents work really, really hard. But then when my mind was expanded to realize like, wow, people actually can get to the same result using different paths. I realized, wow, this is something that's amazing. But I also got kind of tired after five years in 58 countries traveling 25 to 28 days a month. And I decided to take a one year sabbatical. And that one year sabbatical, because I wanted to learn the French language, I wanted to learn how to salsa dance, and I wanted to learn more about wine, it took me to Paris, France. And mm. I was supposed to just stay there for one year socket. But since then, I let how my mind be How old were you at that time, Billy? 
I was 26 at the time. And so, I mean, it just opened my mind to completely different ways of doing things. And so then I wanted to not just be a traveler or a visitor. I wanted to live in the country. And so mm-hmm. then I moved to Paris, but I've never gone back. My one year sabbatical has been 22 years now. And it's allowed me to actually live in three different countries, France, Italy, and Spain, and really be a local and really go through the day-to-days, the frustrations, the challenges, and also the beauty and the upsides of what it's like to be a migrant, someone who's an immigrant, excuse me, living in another country, learning new customs, learning new ways of doing things, and even had the opportunity to continue my corporate career in doing so until I until it was time for me in the corporate career to say bye-bye to one another. So that's a little bit of my yeah. migration story and how I've continued to and why I've continued to stay here in Europe. No, that's an amazing, isn't that an amazing part? Because of course, migrating somewhere, leaving something behind and moving somewhere else. Could it be local? It could be international. It could be wherever, right? And it could be mindset as well. Until you do that, of course, the first step is always daunting, right? That, yeah. oh, what, what if it doesn't work out? Most oftenly, it'll work out because what you're, what I think what happens in these migrations is you are being challenged. You're put in uncomfortable situations. You're trying to learn a new language, trying to make new friends, learn a new culture. It actually changes who you are. I jokingly say I've changed 25 addresses in 22 years I've lived in this country. Yes, it's a lot, but in one way, it has actually served me very well right? because yeah. I'm constantly putting myself in a situation where I don't know my surroundings which keeps you A, alert, B, it kind of exposes, uh, strips you off of your comfort zones, right? Kind of like, I can't depend on Billy Keel because he's not living in my neighborhood anymore. I need to go find another Billy Keel or another best friend. Now I got to go figure out how to do that, especially in a different country, in a country where I don't speak the language. When I came to the US, I studied in English medium, so I could understand and speak English, but not understand the accent, the idioms. Uh, I remember Billy... That, and I don't know if that happened to you. That's from sharing the story. I would watch movies with subtitles on. I'm like, I need mm-hmm. to understand the language. I would leave myself voice messages. I'm like, yeah. I need to understand how I'm sounding, how, what's going on. But I would have never done if I had stayed in India. So yeah, I would love I mean, to understand your perspective. Yes, yeah, Akhet. I mean, you're talking about things that hit me right in the heart. Because one of the things that you mentioned is, you know, understanding the language, understanding the idioms. But there's also something that's very unique when you actually are someone who is an immigrant in a specific Mm -hmm. place is that you start to learn the culture. And this is one of the things that I would say when you are understanding the, not just the language, but what it's the significance of a particular word or a particular sentence in a context, that means you're starting to build cultural awareness. And there's a completely different way that you can connect with people. It's one of the things that I think about having lived now in Spain, for the better part of 17 years. I consider myself someone who is a fluent Spanish speaker. I've learned Catalan, which is the language where we speak here, where they speak here locally. But it's also very different. Like I can speak to someone from Latin America, but when they start using certain idioms or they make reference to certain things culturally, I lose that part. I can communicate with them, but I don't necessarily have the same level of understanding. And so these are the things that you begin to appreciate even through those frustrating moments, because there have been moments as well, Socket, where I, you know, I've been back in my place, very upset, frustrated, you know, sometimes crying because I just was so yeah. frustrated that I couldn't even speak to the person on the phone or even face to face make myself understood in French right. language, for example, when I first got there. But there's something that's very powerful about going through that very challenging situation because not only do you understand what it's like to go to that low point, 
but you can also be someone who helps others, exactly. right? Because you can empathize. You've been there. You understand mm -hmm. it and you can help them to recognize, hey, just keep pushing through. And when you get to the other side, it's going to be pretty amazing. It's going to be yeah. really, really amazing. So like I said, what you said struck me to the heart, to the core. And there's even a lot of same kind of things that I'm realizing through investing. It's even the similar type of situation. There's it just is, new man, situations is. that you're unfamiliar with that you have to build familiarity with so that you feel more comfortable and confident to be able to move forward. So let's talk about that, you know, your migration. So you said you were leading, I can't remember exactly, so I'm paraphrasing it. You were leading the enterprise hardware sales for as your corporate job. How did you move and why did you, more importantly, why? Forget about how for a second, but what triggered you to thinking outside of the corporate job, investing, right? Building yeah, passive so, wealth, building freedom. So what triggered that? Yeah, so I wasn't, and I think the important part here is I didn't have these kinds of conversations at the dinner table with my family because my parents taught me what they knew, which was work yeah. harder. And they also had the foresight to say, hey, listen, don't do exactly what we're doing. Go get a job, get your degree, get a job. You know, don't have to work with your sweat equity. You can actually be paid for what you know. So mm -hmm. that was kind of the first thing. But then also I had the opportunity through enterprise software sales. It was hardware starting and then I finished in enterprise software sales. But the thing that changed, that triggered for me was the fact that one, I'd heard about one of my bosses who had purchased some rental properties, but more importantly, I missed my oldest son's third birthday. Mm. And it's not that I missed it completely, right? I saw him that morning. I actually woke his mother and I woke his brother up. You know, we were, I woke them, everybody up together at, I don't know, it was 5.30 in the morning because I had to catch a flight to Frankfurt at almost uh, about eight o'clock in the morning. But I wanted to sing happy birthday to him. So we got up together, we sung happy birthday. Mm. And then I ran out the door to go to this meeting in Frankfurt. And to this day, Socket, I don't remember what the meeting was about. But of I course. do remember that I gave my son a kiss that morning. And then that night when he was with his grandparents and his mom and his brother, like I was at this business meeting. Now, this is very much a first world problem. And I had the opportunity to maybe not go to that business meeting. I recognize there are a lot of people that don't have a choice, mm -hmm. but that day I had a choice. But that day, it hurt me so much emotionally to not be there with everybody else that night that I made a commitment to myself that I would never be put in a position where I had to choose from doing something that I felt was important to me because mm -hmm. I was a young father at that time and having to make a choice between money. So it took me about a decade from the point that I missed my son's birthday to the point where I was actually free financially, right? To be able to do the things that I wanted to do, but it had nothing to do with money. What triggered me, it was the fact that I was emotionally yeah. conflicted because I missed something that was important to me that I considered to be a priority, which was to be at my son's birthday that night. Yeah. I realized that after the fact, right? I didn't realize that at the time I thought it was good enough just to give him a kiss and run out the door. But that night is when it affected me. And I realized I'm not being congruent here. And so I've got to do something to change and just going to work every single day and depending on my job, wasn't going to do it. And I didn't understand the stuff that my 401k and my IRA were actually in or the mutual funds. And so I realized that I had to start to take control, which meant more responsibility for me, increasing my education. And it just so happened that real estate was the thing that got me started. So hopefully that yeah. answers your question. It does. It does. Like It's kind of like, I think I want to hop on one point that you made. It usually never is about money. Mm. Even when you're working full time, it never is about money. Money is a means, right? Money is a proxy to something else that everyone else, either you're looking for status, it's always something else you're yep. looking that you're attaching right. value to the money, right? It's never is about money. But 
having access to money in different ways gives you different things, right? If you're making a million dollar in your job and you're working nine to nine, when I say nine in the morning till nine in the morning, if you're working that, there is a price to pay. Yes, there is a reward to be gained as well, but there's a price to pay. I think what you're saying, Billy, is that the price you paid that day, you realize you don't want to pay that price, right? Yeah, uh, and I'll tell you another thing, Socket. I, I have never paid the price since that day. I made That's the commitment awesome. to myself, even if it meant that I was not paid financially, I didn't take any more trips. I didn't do anything. And even to this day, there are certain days on my calendar. I don't care if it's the most important event in the world. If it means that I'm not going to be with my children, I don't yeah. do them. I just That's don't, amazing, Billy. That is amazing. Um, so, so you are being congruent now. Yes. Right? So that's an yes, important thing. Absolutely. So you're, li- yeah, you're living yeah, what yeah. you're speaking, what your values are, and that's very important. Yeah, and it's much more fulfilling, right? But And this is one of the things that when you don't come from financial, like my parents weren't rich, right? And mm-hmm. they were wealthy, emotionally wealthy. I'm very thankful for that nowadays. But you get this false sense of, hey, listen, if I just had the money, I could do the things. And Correct. to your point, Correct. when you realize it's not about the money. It's what the money represents. If that means right. that you have options to not get on that plane and not have to be there because it's more important to you to be mm-hmm. at whatever it is. For me, it was my son's birthday. And that was a trigger event for me. Since that moment, I've never missed any. And I right. don't ever plan on missing any. It's the priority for me. So that's good. So now you were in that phase where you missed your son's birthday and it triggered something in you. Now you wanted a path that is more aligned long-term, right? So, of course, so that event happened about 10 years ago, you said? Well, a little bit more than that now because I've been out of the corporate world for almost two years, but yeah, it was Got about it. 12 years ago, yeah. 12, 13 years ago, right? So over a decade yeah. ago. So yeah. you didn't grow up in the finance, you didn't have a financial understanding. I mean, you were making money, but you didn't understand money, right? So from there to now 12, 13, 14 years later, or 12 years later, where you're financially independent, you're actually working on active syndications where you're helping other people deploy their money. Help me understand, how did that journey look? Like, What was the thought on that day when you missed your son's birthday and you made that commitment, you're going to do that? How did that translate for you into investing? Yeah, so and I was just looking over my shoulder because I normally have a book that's somewhere near me. But what that did is, first of all, because I'm somebody who needs to see something, I realized what was it that I wanted to be able to do. And I realized that at the time I wanted to be able to generate enough income. I had written down specifically the amount of income that I wanted to be able to do because I knew that that would help me to feel free. I wanted to do it within five years because five years just seemed like it was. And then I actually wrote down the goals and the steps that I needed to take. But like for me, it started by reading a book. It was that little purple book is the one that I got started Rich with. Dad, and I poor dad. Most of the series. Yeah. And Rich Dad, Poor Dad, there you go. And then that took me down a trail of really education and watching a lot of videos, mm-hmm. listening to podcasts. And this was, you know, back in the day. And I realized that I was becoming that because I'm a recovering perfectionist. So I like to learn. I was a good, nice student. So I was like theoretically this amazing person could do all this stuff. But I remember people would ask me, okay, so what's your portfolio look like? And I would go, well, you know, if you take the revenue minus expenses and that's going to give you your operating income and blah, 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 and minus this, and you get to the NOI and all this kind of stuff. And so I realized that I couldn't just be a theoretical ninja. I had to put it into practice. And so eventually I thought I was going to purchase my first asset here in Spain, but because I was looking for cash flow. I couldn't get anything to positively cash flow. And so then I realized that I was going to have to buy back in the United States. I ended up doing that. It took me probably about two years from the time I wrote my goals down to actually making my first purchase, just to give you an idea. But then from there, once 
I started making purchases from Spain back in the United States and rinse and repeated the process and started to then realize like, hey, this works really, really well. I started seeing my path to freedom. And by the way, mm. Socket, it didn't take me five years to get to the goal that I wrote down that day. It took me 18 months once I started taking action. Mm. Then along the way, I started learning that there were these things called accredited investors. I had no idea. I wasn't an accredited investor. I didn't even right. know what that was because I wasn't surrounded by anybody that talked about that. And I realized that I could start investing my capital with other people. They would do the work and I would get a part of the reward but it meant that I could start to multiply my capital. And so then I started investing with other people, continuing to invest in smaller multifamily. I bought a mobile home park, got into other different assets. And I started realizing like, hey, listen, all of these different assets out here are just different vehicles to help me get to that destination that I thought it was gonna take me six, five years to get to. It took me 18 months. If I could combine these different vehicles together as someone who was an accredited investor, then why would I need to wait five years when I could do it in a much right. lesser time frame? And so that helped me to also reset and realize there's a lot of different vehicles out here. I just have to get educated, get connected with other people that actually understand this more and are doing what I want to be able to do and then take action. And that was the thing that really got me stuck was the taking action because I thought, man, if I put money here and it, I lose it and I recognize this and I recognize that, then I'm going to be frustrated. But unless... I was taking action. I was just kind of standing still. I wasn't moving anywhere. And there've been times when I've lost. Yeah. And that was a lesson. And there are things that I, you know, more frequently have been able to win. So continuing to move forward. So, but every single time it's a lesson, always meeting new people and always having the opportunity to grow and get so closer really to, how, goal, to life goals. How did you become comfortable with potential loss of money? Right? Because I'm assuming you're like everyone else, like me, where you put money in 401k and it goes up and down. You don't see it. You don't actively manage it. Chances are you're investing in an index fund or you have a financial advisor, one of the other two or some mutual mm -hmm. funds and you don't even care if it's going up and down. But now, because you're blaming somebody else, right? You have somebody else to blame that, oh, my financial advisor didn't do a good job, right? But now you're yeah. taking the ownership of making the money or losing the money in your own hands. And that's yeah. a huge responsibility. How do you get comfortable with that? You know, it goes back to the thing. I didn't want to miss any more priority events for me. Mm -hmm. And nobody cares about your priorities more than you do. Of course. Your financial advisor, nobody does because you're the one that lives it just like I was the one that lived it. And so I don't think you ever get comfortable with losing money, or at least I don't. But what I do get comfortable with is learning based on doing, because right. the more that I do, the more that I know. The more mm. that I know, the better the opportunity I have to mitigate risk factors. Of course. You know, in the beginning, I would just place my money. Hey, great person to talk to, had a great time at the conference and great. And so place your capital here. But yeah. you start realizing like when things are going well, great. But when things are not going well, like I didn't ask this question. I didn't ask that question. I didn't find out more about what they're doing. Yeah. So I start learning that, hey, listen, these are the things that I need to do that I need to improve on so that I can become a better investor, either as a general partner or a limited partner. Yeah. And it, every single time I become more educated based on doing, not just by learning from a book, it helps to mitigate the risk. And that being able to feel more confident and more comfortable from doing, that's the thing that helps me realize that I'm mitigating the risk of losing money. But there's always the fear that I can lose money, right? Especially right. even if I'm doing something <clears throat> myself, there's a possibility for that. But it's how do I mitigate the risk? How do I minimize that from happening? And I believe it's by doing, at least in my case, that's the thing that's helped me to feel more comfortable, but never feeling comfortable losing money. Right. Nobody wants to invest. Nobody wants money. to lose money, man. Nobody wants to lose money. But sometimes you may have to. 
Because yeah. if that's the price you pay for jumping into action, that's the price you pay. As long as you're learning from those losses, right? So loss is never yeah, a loss. You, it's really learning. Correct. Uh, I mean, Socket, I'll it. give you an example. In early on in investing, I got really comfortable. You know, I knew that based on the theory that you were supposed to get these home inspections, the home inspections, you did it. And I did that on my first couple of purchases because I was buying mm-hmm. smaller multifamilies. And I just kind of got comfortable. I rested on my laurels. And so I remember going through the activity of getting the home inspection, got the report. But guess what I did with the report socket? I just put it to the side. Because I thought, well, these reports are just coming back and they're usually coming good. There's small stuff, nothing big enough. Well, that ended up coming back to bite me about a year and a half because it was very clearly stated that there were some issues with the roof. Mm. And so it cost me probably about $25,000. And that lesson, because I went back to look at the home inspection report and it was clearly there. And I realized, you know what, if I'm going to go through the action of getting this report, then I should actually read it. Had I done that, it would have given me maybe an opportunity to go back renegotiate the terms and conditions that we agreed upon. But guess what mistake I don't make anymore or anybody that anytime I'm placing any capital, one of the mistakes that I don't make anymore, whether it's mine or someone else's, is understanding if there is an issue around a large multifamily or something like that, that there are enough reserves or that has at least been identified and there's a mitigation plan to mitigate the risk. That's Hopefully awesome, that makes man. sense. It does. It does. Billy, what are you up to nowadays? Like, are you still investing passively? Are you active? I know you are an access indicator as well. Yeah. So the thing that I continue to invest passively and actively both, but today where I'm really helping it, I was in an enterprise software space and I was pretty good at my job. I mean, the company I used to work for is an enterprise software leader in the space. People can look me up on LinkedIn. You can see the company that I used to what work for. What is the name for, of the company? Kinda, you, can you share that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm sure it's called SAP. And so oh I used my to work God. There. I know SAP yeah. very well, man. Yeah, yeah. 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 So sharing with them. And one of the things that like people, or I tended to forget, right? Because I used to think, well, when you're investing here, all the income is the same. And, you know, I'm going to invest in multifamily and I'm going to invest in this. It's going to lower my taxes because I was investing. It was great because I was generating a lot of income. Later learned that that was called passive income, IRS mm-hmm. definition, not just because I wasn't working for it. But I still kept writing pretty large bills to Uncle Sam and I got tired of that. So I started looking for new solutions to that problem. And when I found that in the energy space, that there was a way that I could actually invest my capital and the capital that I was investing would help me on my income tax mm-hmm. directly, that started making a lot of sense to me because I, at least once again, and everybody's situation is different, but I started looking and saying, okay, well, look, I'm an accredited investor. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I have passive streams of income that are coming in. Most of it is classified as passive, but I'm still writing really big checks to Uncle Sam. And I realized that there are different types of income. Yeah. And so whether the income is W-2 income, also known as ordinary, or their income is passive, like Uncle Sam treats it one way or the other. And so the thing to come back to answer your question is the thing that I'm doing today to help other high wage earners is focusing on the energy space, specifically in oil and gas production, using some innovative technology on the front end to be able to help high wage earners not only generate income, but also to be able to keep Uncle Sam out of their pocket and not have to continue to write those, you know, mm-hmm. 35, 40% of your income to Uncle Sam. So that's where I focus today from a syndication perspective and helping other investor family members to be able to generate income at the same time, be able to keep more of their active income is the thing that I'm focusing on today. And the reason that I was doing that is because the company that I used to work for, like you can look this up, there's a website called repview.com. And you could see that at the time when I looked this up, I think it was a year and a half ago, like the top producing earners in the US were making just at $1.2 million, right? And typical salespeople, we talk about, hey, listen, I made $1.2 million last year. Well, the thing is, is that 
to your point socket, you worked nine in the morning till nine in the morning to make 1.2 million. Yeah. But the reality is Uncle Sam kept 50% of that. Of course. So you didn't actually keep that. You made that. But as you and I both know, it's not a matter of what you make. It's how much you actually keep. And so that's where today we're helping uh, high wage earners be able to focus on generating income at the same time being able to keep more of their income. Well, that's amazing, Billy. Good luck on that because Thank you. we all know we need that. We need people like yourselves who are looking for those deals and finding a tax. It's not a tax evasion, but it's uh, using the tax code to your advantage. The incentives that the IRS is giving you to begin with. Right. Essentially, it's the opportunities that IRS or the federal government can do. Oil and gas is one of them. There's a yeah, risky I mean, investment. These are risky investments. They're not going to dump all their money in there. So they're asking people like Billy and Socket to go in. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and that's exactly it. So it's, and this is one of the things, you know, and we talk about it all the time and I'm sure you'll let me know. I mean, one of the ways that we like to do that, first of all, is help to educate people, right? And people can, you know, go to firstgencp.com forward slash pay less tax to find out more about that. But you have to start with the education, the base of education, and then have your own due diligence process, follow up. You know, these are things that we're doing. It's for accredited investors only. So I know you talk about that a lot at 506C. Mm But you have to be able to have the base of education and recognize what is the end goal that you're looking to achieve? And then how are you able to combine different vehicles to help you accelerate getting to that goal? Which is once again, like if you can get to a place in two years or less versus five to 10 years, which is what most of us, when we get started, we think it's going to take five, 10 years. Well, it would have been very nice if I'd have known about some of the other vehicles early on, because maybe it wouldn't have taken me 10 years to get to my goal. I could have gotten it. Yeah. I mean, I could have gotten instead of 10 years to be financially free, it could have taken me seven. Or maybe someone thinks it's 20 years and they get there in 10, whatever the case may be. And you're helping Socket by, you know, having your podcast and exposing your listeners to new opportunities so that they can find out, hey, look, does this work for me? Does it not? Does it fit with my investor profile, et cetera? So I love what you're doing and how you continue to expose, you know, new opportunities. And, you know, that's the thing that we're doing to help those accredited investors. And and I have a special place in my heart, especially for first generation accredited investors, Mm -hmm. right? Because we don't know who to go to to have that conversation because we're in a very different place. Like it would be difficult in the beginning to talk to my parents about things that I was exposed to because they did the hard work so that I could be in the position, but I wasn't surrounded by other people that I could have these conversations with because many times they didn't understand or they thought, are you showing off? And that's not the case. You just feel alone sometimes. So, you know, that first generation accredited investor that's looking for you know, someone to speak to or get education. That's really where we put a lot of focus on. Awesome, Billy. Billy, we're coming to the end of our show. I know we have hard stops here, so I want to be respectful of that. So last two questions. One is, when you look at your life, right? Of course, amazing journey. Of course, not all rosy. Some ups, some downs, more downs than more ups. If you were to go back to your 20-year-old self, what are some of the key insights would you share with them at that point? Well, I would definitely tell 20-year-old Billy to get ready because you're going to get ready and see lots and lots of the world. And you have no idea how much it's going to help to open your mind. First and foremost, I would say also enjoy the corporate ride, right? Enjoy corporate because it provides amazing opportunities, access to some of the brightest people in the world, amazing training, great salaries, benefits. And at the same time, don't fall into the trap of believing that that's going to be your life. Right. Realize that you can actually positively use the things that the corporate world can give you at the same time, you can build your own path, right? Because this is for someone like me that I I needed corporate to help Mm. me recognize the opportunities that exist. But I would tell myself, don't fall in love with the corporate dream. 
build your own dream. And Love don't that. be afraid to make bigger bets sooner rather than trying to just make the small bets. Because the small bets, yeah, it's true, they build you up a bit, but you don't have to just continue to do small, 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 medium, medium, large. Like, just get the confidence, get the education, surround yourself with people sooner, and then take bigger action sooner because you're going to reduce the amount of time that you're going to yeah. depend on a corporate or anybody else because you will have the responsibility and the ownership and the access to live your best life and create the options that you want for yourself. Awesome, man. Couldn't have said better. Well, last question. Where do you feel the humanity needs to migrate towards? Wow, that's a big question, Socket. I believe humanity needs to migrate towards And the word that comes out is what I talked about earlier is really to have more empathy. And the reason I say empathy is because it's like I said, like, unless you have actually lived in a place and know what it's like to feel completely alone, sometimes like it's you against the world. And I'm just using my immigration experience, right? Thinking about having lived in France, thinking about having lived in Italy and having lived in Spain. Each one of these places, well, with the exception of Spain, when I went to Italy and I went to France, I didn't know anybody. And so I had to build from zero. Yeah. And so when you have the humility to understand what it's like, like you have to go and be outside of your comfort zone. You have to ask for help sometimes because you're not a local. You don't understand, not even culture. You don't even understand the language. Yeah. And so when you have that humility that comes as a result of living outside of your own norm, it helps you to help other people and just have that empathetic mindset and wanting to help your neighbor. Right. I think that would be one of the things that we as a world, if we can migrate towards that, it would really help everybody in having empathy there as the basis. That's awesome, Billy. Billy, my friend, you've added tremendous value to me and my listeners here. Where can they reach you? Socket. So, you know, I forgot to say this at the very beginning, by the way, if you're still listening, because you got to be listening. If you have not already left an honest review and rating for Socket, like, please do that because he puts so much like love and energy into this podcast. Like, make sure that you do that Thank uh, you, first and foremost. So, and aside from that, I mean, you know, one of the things that talked about before is especially for that person who is an accredited investor and they are looking for ways to be able to find, to not only generate income, but be able to keep more of their active income, W2 income. You can go to firstgencp.com forward slash pay less tax. That's one thing. I also have a podcast and I know you're going to be a guest very soon. The Going Long Podcast with Billy Keels. And also, I really, really love connecting with people on LinkedIn. And I would say if you're listening, you're watching, just send me a personalized invite through LinkedIn. Let me know that you've already listened to Socket and I here speak today. And I'd love to be able to connect with you that way as well. So, Socket, man, I can't thank you enough for the opportunity to be here and share a little bit of my story with you and your audience. And I just want to say thank you so very much, man. Appreciate it. Thank you, Billy. Thank you again for taking the time. I appreciate it, buddy. All right. Thank you. All right. Thanks. If you got value from this episode, you might consider sharing this content with a friend. But most importantly, be sure to take action on what you've learned. One way you can take the next step is to connect directly with Socket on an investor call. That link is waiting for you in the show notes below. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Please consult your own advisors when making any investment decisions. Keep listening. We'll see you on the next episode.